Welcome to your Marriage is Your Ashram podcast. My name is Jenny Glick. I'm a relationship mentor and licensed therapist focused on guiding you to personal transformation and spiritual evolution in the ashram of your marriage. Let's get started. I'm really excited to be having this conversation today with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Jenny Finn. Jenny is head of school at Springhouse Community School in Floyd, Virginia, formerly a licensed clinical social worker, student of her body and breath for many decades. Jenny leads a unique school experience where She educates young people as well as young adults and adults of all ages through movement, breath, wisdom of the earth, mythology, and all things uh, that bring wholeness to the human experience and creating real embedded community in the land of Virginia over there. So she brings a unique and powerful perspective to our conversation about marriage and ashram and this particular cultural moment that we're finding ourselves in right now. So I encourage you to take a listen and we're going to dip right in to Jenny talking about this unique time that we're in. Um, Something can happen to us like the coronavirus. We can stay at home. We can endure. Mm -hmm. We can endure the situation and wait for it to be over. And I don't know, I mean, I think that's a fine strategy if you don't have any interest in growing and transforming, or if you don't have a lot of skills and all you can do is endure. It's like, praise be, I mean, that's great. Um, But if you want to, at least I want to come through this stronger, then... I'm going to have to employ some skills and I'm going to have to, let's say, like I just did go out and walk two miles in the heat when I really don't feel like it. Um, or right before that got on my yoga mat for 30, um, not didn't really feel like that either because my body's been hurting lately. So I'm going to have to make some choices in response to this situation if I want to see any gold in this at all. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think what I'm thinking about these days a lot is um, something can happen and how we respond to it really matters and makes a difference in how we um, come through it on the other side. And if we decide to go deeper into it, that is where we find the wisdom. That is where we find the gems, so to speak, that we could not only just for us to kind of roll around in, but also um, that we can share with our families, Mm -hmm. with our social distancing communities, (laughs) that we can um, find the light to shine it, you know? I'll stop talking there's anything you want to say. So I am interested in, um, I mean, you know, because you're familiar with what I do, my, you know, um, idea that your marriage is your ashram. It's that place of growth. And so right now we're all in a kind of ashram in this moment of pause, of intermission, of, you know, which we can just 
what I'm hearing you say partially is we can just put life on hold and kind of endure, get through, nose to the grindstone. Well, when this is done, when this is over and things are back to normal, or we can not ever go back to normal and allow it to transform us by, by being ready uh, to be set ablaze by all the things that we're willing to see and feel and experience and open our eyes, have eyes to see and ears to hear and bodies to feel what is happening for our own selves. And if we're in a home with our partner or with children, our entire ecosystem in a real intimate way. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said set ablaze because I just pulled up this quote that I actually read recently in a book by Margaret Wheatley, who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quote is actually from someone named Boris Pasternak, who wrote a book called After the Storm in 1958. I don't know that book, but I love this quote. And what it says is, it's not revolutions and upheavals that clear the road to new and better days, but revelations, lavishness, and torments of someone's soul inspired and ablaze. Mm-hmm. So it's not the upheaval itself. It's how, what I do with it that, that matters. And like Joseph Campbell would say, um, or has said about the hero's journey, that there's a separation from, um, the surface. Mm -hmm. So it's like something is happening on the surface and then the call to adventure is really, I'm going to go deeper than, and by deeper, I mean, in me. Um, in the surf, then the surface, and it's there that there's some kind of kind of an ordeal that happens. Well, this is an ordeal. Ordeal on the outside is also on the inside mm-hmm. that I need to tend to if I want to gain any wisdom from it. I can't just railroad over it, numb it out. I mean, I could um, and have in different situations. And I just don't come out with uh, light that I can share with the world. I can't have light without the dark. Mm -hmm. And so, as you know, that's been something that my doctoral work focused on um, the shadow. And we, you know, in order to be, we don't become whole by staying in places that are comfortable Mm -hmm. and where the light is already shining. We become whole by bringing light to places that are unconscious Mm -hmm. and dark and we don't know. And, and your work focuses so much on how the, the marriage, which is really the part, really the container Mm -hmm. for it to be done or not, Mm -hmm. not, we end up trying to be surface. So we feel better. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not saying I can hear like the, the internal reactions of like, well, I mean, I, you know, it's not bad to leave your partner. It's not bad to move or switch. No, it's not. It's not bad um, at all. It's more why I have to be very honest with myself. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to leave my partner? Um, Is it reactive or is it more just like a leaf falling off a tree Mm -hmm. that it's time has come, you know, they're different there's a difference between Mm -hmm. ripping the leaf off and the leaf naturally floating to the ground. 
And so I, the, the thing that I have to be in this whole process, if I want to, to go deeper, I have to be honest with myself. And that's not easy. No. And sometimes I can't be. And that's where um, there's three things in my life that have been really important to me in this journey. One is to have a mentor. I've had a mentor in my life ever since I was 20 and I'm almost 50 now. So um, that's been super important to me because I can't see my blind spots. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had fierce, fiercely loving mentors much of my life, more than not. Um, I also think um, a spiritual practice of some kind. Mm -hmm. And by spiritual, I don't mean one that lifts you off the earth, but one that orients you in your earth of your body and your breath and gives you the skills that you need to stand in your humanness and um, and be a response and not a reaction to the world. And then I would say community is the third, some kind of community, whether it was um, a meditation community or um, programs that I was in in my recovery from addiction, whatever it is, that there's a community that witnesses me and loves me mm -hmm. um, through my process. And that seems to be the alchemical container for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. that can lead into gold. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the many places that you and I have bonded over the years is there is a real um, theoretical conversation around growth and transformation and healing and living your life as if you're on the mat. And then there's actually living in the ordeal, right? Like, like going into the ordeal and getting out of, like to use marriage as an example, do I stay or do I go? Why doesn't he just change? Yeah. How come this job isn't what I want? If it would just be different, I would be better. So rather than orienting in an outward focused way, orienting in an inward focused way to experience the ordeal and let it transform you in a granular, um, very textured, felt sense, that will include gnashing of teeth and wailing and all the things along the way so that one might make that decision externally as a transformed being, as uh, the leaf being complete, you know, um, and, and yes. being now adrift as opposed to the leaf fighting with the tree about is now the time. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And you're saying, um, I'm thinking about the middle of something with my family system where I was having major anger happening in my body. And I badly wanted to fight the outside so I could be right, be safe, be whatever. Um safe according to my ego more. And I decided that I was going to practice some of my skills, yay me, and I was going to take a minute and breathe one of the skills, breath and feet, I like to say. So I put my feet on the ground, I breathe. And what that, that felt sense you're talking about in that moment, when I really felt my anger, first of all, it really didn't have anything to do with what was on the surface happening. I can't remember what it was, but it was big. I mean, I had so much anger inside of me at that moment. 
and I had to have some skills to, to know how to breathe, to access my body so that it could be a container for the storm that was happening inside of me. And I stayed with it. And I actually had some consciousness around this where I was watching like, how long is this going to feel this intense? And so there was a witness in me that was watching this and I watched it. It was like a huge wave that rose and then it came crashing down internally. And um, what I found on the other side of it was actually, um, I think maybe compassion. Mm -hmm. I think I might have found some kind of compassion for myself and my family in this situation that I never would have found if I would have um, engaged the external to try to control it or make it something that would make me feel better. And I think we're so oriented in our culture around outward, around external, and that we want to just shift it on the outside. I get it. I mean, I'm an expert at that, um, wanting to shift it on the outside so I feel better. And um, what I've shifted to is more the outside inviting me to be in the crucible that myself is to... Respond to it. No, I mean you had mentioned that school, and I did. And really, what it is is this intergenerational community where every day that's something that we're orienting around Mm -hmm. is that you go back to yourself, and you know whether you're 14 or 40. the skills are the same, but how we teach them, you know, obviously are developmentally appropriate, but I'm super excited about being in a community that the adults are very committed to doing their own inner work. Teenagers who are at that school mm-hmm. and um, that's how culture is going to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we're going to move from you know, um, being so externally focused to more internally focused. And I mean, you know, you've known me a long time and you know, I've been saying this for a long time and it feels like, um, much of what we do at the school, you know, I could hear in the past before this virus situation, um, there's soft skills or secondary Mm -hmm. learning or this sort of thing. And it's like, no, they're not, they're not, they're actually not. I mean, there is a softening in the skill, (laughs) but they're hard skills to practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the most important that we could be practicing, if we do not know how to be friends with ourselves and walk the world, um, I think we have a real problem. Well, and something you said I think is really important. Yeah. You're You're cutting out, Jenny. I'm back. Okay, there you are. You're back. Um, something that you said a few minutes ago when you said you had a, a anger situation with your family, and so you went inside, you did your own work, which you're able to do at almost 50 because you've been practicing those skills for 30 years, right? Like those skills didn't just crop up when you got decided to do home isolation because your governor said you needed to, you know, like 
Like those skills have been something, and you know, that's part of this, the practice of every day and having a program, a mentor, a spiritual practice, loving yourself enough to hold a container for yourself so that those core human skills are something that are available for you and for your family and for the students and adults that you mentor when stuff goes crooked. Absolutely. That is very important to say, especially in a culture that often wants something for nothing. God bless us. I get it. I get it. I want, I want nurturing. So rather than sitting in meditation for 20 minutes, I'm going to eat a brownie Mm -hmm. or whatever. I get it. I get why we would want it quickly, Um, but we cannot have what we haven't invested in. Yes. And so having invested for so many years, the only way to know that the deeper dive in yourself is worth investing in is to do it. It's, I mean, and that's the crazy thing. It's like, I get why people don't because mm-hmm. it's like, if you dive down, I love one of David, David White's poem, the well of grief, you dive down beneath the surface. And if you don't stay there, you're really not going to see the shimmering gold coins at the bottom that he talks about. So you're going to be like, well, this sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like when I first started meditation, I'm like, Ooh. or even today mm-hmm. I was in meditation and I just said out loud, um, I call God all kinds of things, the ministry, breath of life, whatever. I think I said God today. And I said, you know, God, God that really sucked. Like when I came out of the meditation, because it was just like, I couldn't even, I mean, I couldn't even focus. Like I was just all over the place. I don't even know. I was doing like my laundry list in my head. I just, and who cares? It's like really what it is is, the quality of the experience is less important to me. The fact that I'm doing it, yes. that's the important thing. And and I've carried that with me, that wisdom that my teachers handed down to me for decades now. So it's like I show up um, and I show up because I know that when I do, there are gold coins down there. Yeah. There are shimmering gold coins down there. Um, but I need the skills to be able to hang out in the well basically. Um, and those take a lot of practice, a ton of courage. You almost have to be crazy in a way because it's like, (laughs) it's just so not what the ego, the ego's like, this sucks. You know, I just wounded myself and I don't love it. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. I don't either. So there has to be something else on board, you know, that, that is, that is causing you to continue to go back to keep coming. It reminds me of being with one of my yoga teachers who I love dearly, Mike, and he can do this yoga asana um, posture where he bends down into a forward fold and he can lift his legs up into a handstand without any kicking or anything. And it's really beautiful to, to mm. see and be in the presence of. And I can remember being just enamored. Like this is, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Um, my ego just really liked it. And I remember Mike saying, you know, do you have any idea <laughs> how long I have practiced mm-hmm. to get this posture like it is? And still, he's like, I'm still practicing and I'm extending it and it's growing and developing. Like you've just been here for a couple weeks. 
<laughs> and you're like, you do that. I'm, he's like, I'm talking years. Oh it has taken me to be able to do this daily hours of practice. And so I love my teachers for that reason, because it was like, yeah, I mean, it just kind of puts my ego in its place. Mm -hmm. And, um, again, that reminder that you just can't, I can't have what I'm not willing to work for. Yes. No one can do this for me. They can tell me all day long that there's gold in my well mm -hmm. of Jenny Finn. Um, I, that doesn't tell, the only way I'm going to know there's gold in there is if I go in the well. Mm -hmm. And the well is scary. I mean, we have a program actually at Springhouse Community School called The Well, and it's a nine month residency. And it's really hard to describe. And it's, I, you know, often I'm like, why would anyone want to do that? And let alone pay for it. <laughs> um, it's, I get it. I mean, you're swimming around in the well and you're like, I don't, I don't know my elbow from my knee right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. All my strategies are, are um, being refined and transformed. And I don't know. I mean, you really, there's an unknowing that you have to go through that. I get why nobody would want to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's always made what I've taught and done in the world a really hard sell, <laughs> to be honest, because it's like, why, you know? Right. Um, and I wouldn't take my word for it or your word for it. Look back, look back to the 12th, 13th century mystics who talked about the gold that they found, yeah. you know, because they've been my light. When I, when I hit, when I hit a part of the well where I'm like, there's surely no gold here. Um, I turn to others, to my teachers, to mystics, um, to others to remind me, no, 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 there is, mm -hmm. you just have to stay with it and it's not going to come easy. Yeah. Yeah, and part of the commitment, like for your well program for young adults um, at Springhouse, it is for young adults, right? It's now for all adults, Jen. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's a new started, part of the curriculum. Well, yes, it started as young adults, but then it was like uh, many of us have not done that well work. Yeah. We haven't done it. I mean, I've mentored people for decades now, and there's people who are – 60 years old that are looking to do that well right. work you know it's like almost like your second birth work yeah in the world yeah um so we we just this year started um opening it to all adults and my my guess is i mean it, the deadline for the application is coming up right around the corner um it, people aren't going to be coming to this program in droves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're not. It's going to be maybe one, mm -hmm. maybe one person that comes for nine months to Springhouse yeah. to do this work um, because it's just, it's, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. glorious, but it's hard. And part of having a container for weeks or months or years is because when we step in, after a day, an hour, like sobriety, right? An hour, a day, a week, our ego comes up, the part of us that says, never mind. Absolutely. I don't want to do this. And if we don't commit to a container, right? The container helps to hold us accountable. Yes. Right? And what I know is when I step out of my comfort zone, it's, you know, Brene Brown's wilderness, 
And when I'm in the wilderness, that part of me starts firing, saying, never mind, let's go back to what's known. Let's go back to what's familiar. You know what? It wasn't actually that bad, actually. Like, I thought it was bad, but it's really not that bad. And starts enticing one to get back into their known, um, lulled back into their known space simply because it's known. Because the unknown, as we're seeing right now, the unknown is scary externally, right? And when we're looking externally for our ground and we haven't had the gift of a well-practice or had the gift of years or decades of commitment to ourself um, and in, with mentors or containers or spiritual practices that have helped us create some kind of certainty within, then it becomes um, nearly impossible to stay present with the big unknown that we're in right now. A hundred percent agree. Yes. The better, the more I navigate the unknown in myself, mm-hmm. the more ground I find, and then I respond to the world around me and I don't react. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying never and that I'm perfect at it because I'm not at all. Um, but the more that I find that unknown, the more that I navigate the unknown in me and everything that comes up, all the dragons and the treasures and the fairy godmothers and the grandmothers and the cabin in the woods, when I meet all of them in me, um, I just stand on more ground because I'm becoming better friends with yes. myself. And another one of my teachers a a long time ago said, um, I don't want to die a stranger Mm. to myself. And as a cancer survivor, uh, that the reality of death has been with me for 25 years, every single day. And I'm not exaggerating. So, um, I think I don't want to be a stranger to myself when I die. I don't want to be a stranger to myself right now. Mm -hmm. I want to be present I want to be, I want to love the world as much as I possibly can. And to do that, I have to do the hard work of loving myself. Yes. Yes. You know? And it is, it is, that's exactly it. When you love yourself enough to hold yourself to the transformative opportunity of being in the container. Right. And that that's that that ferocious love that we can have. And I believe we're being called to have more and more for ourselves in this moment that we're in globally and also in our relationships with our partners, our children, our aging parents, whomever it might be, our communities, our leadership, Um, how it is that that we stay so radically committed to a container that grows us into more and more wholeness so that we can experience the vibrancy of life every day. And the vibrancy of anger is vibrant. (laughs) there's There's a vibrancy in anger and hurt and pain and joy and ecstasy and passion and pleasure as well. 
Yes, life has many, many forms, and they're not really preferenced. It's like, okay. I so appreciate your time. What would you say to someone who's listening to you, Jenny, and who's like, well, yeah, wouldn't it be great if I could just do like a well program, you know, or go live in a, at the feet of a guru, you know, or, you know, but I'm 50 years old and I don't have that practice. I haven't had that, you know, where, where does one start when one finds themselves in the middle of a global crisis moment, um, trying to navigate their way through? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, I like to start with people who inspire me. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's my neighbor or maybe that's a scholar or practitioner in the work that we're doing, whatever it is. Um, But I I like to, what has made me who I am today um, is a lot of different things but a big part of it is all of the teachers I have had. Mm -hmm. And I have had many. Um, And I just kind of set up camp around them (laughs) when I I saw the light shining in them. And I thought, wow, there's something that they hold that I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. They shine to me the possibility um, that I longed for and long for. And so I keep setting up camp around them whether that's seeking their mentorship whether it's reading their books whether it's talking to them calling them when I'm in a a pickle if you will um it's that and and then I would just say again that um yeah be be brave like just choose some kind of practice that keeps you connected with yourself and commit to it over I don't know. I mean, there's no prescription, but I'm telling you, it's going to be, you've got to commit to something over time to know the goal. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would, yeah, seek out people who inspire me and learn from them. What do they do? What are they doing to stay connected to their inner ground Mm -hmm. Um, and study them, listen to them, ask them good questions. Um, That's what I've done. And then I've always, always had a practice of some kind. Um, and I show up for it, um, as much as I possibly can, because I know for a fact that there is nothing outside of me that will sustain me Mm -hmm. like the light within me. Mm -hmm. There is nothing, not my husband, not a bottle of beer, not my children, not the landscape, not nothing outside of me. What sustains me the outside can remind me of this, but what sustains me is um, the light within me mm-hmm. and how that the only way to know it is by going into the dark. Which brings us full circle to where we started, which was talking about agency and using your agency to cultivate that relationship within so that you can have an experience without, <laughs> with the outer part of your life um, that's engaged and vital and transformative. Absolutely. 
And I know that's a hard thing to hear for some where it's like, well, I mean, I can't, and you know, you could, and I can't, and we don't, you know, I think it's hard to actually, um, take that agency and use it. Well, I think we use our agency all the time, um, to diminish ourselves. Um, but to take the agency and use it to build you up, mm -hmm. why not, you know? a lot of crappy things happen in life. A lot of really hard things happen in life. And, um, man, I want to come out on the other end stronger and more whole, not only for me, but that so I can be in service to the world around me, especially as I get older. I know that is why I've always been here and why I'm here now is to be of service and to love myself so deeply that it just, spills out of me and um rolls out into the world and so anytime i'm doing stuff this might be a helpful motivator maybe um when i don't want to go for a walk like today or get on the yoga mat i think of all the people i mentor mm -hmm. i think of my family i think of the leader that i am and there is no way in hell that i'll do any of those strongly if i don't do the practices i need to strengthen me I have to use the life situation that I'm in now um, as, as, you know, a mother, as a leader, as a mentor and a guide and a friend and a daughter and a sister. I mean, all of those things, like if I want to do those as best I can, I have got to make choices mm -hmm. that feed the best in me, not the perfect in me, not the always happy in me, but the truth in me. It's, um, I want to just tease out something that you said, we always are acting with our agency. It's how it is that we decide to use it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that age, one always has their agency to choose the mat and their yoga practice or not. It's not that we're choosing agency when we engage in our practices that hold us, right? We always have that sovereignty. We sure do. And I think it's different for, I mean, I think if you are one out there listening to this conversation right now and you've stayed with us, um, you have, your agency is solid. You're aware of it. Some of us walk around, we're not aware that we actually um, co-create our lives mm -hmm. with the internal and the external. Um, but if you know even a sense of what, what we're talking about, um, man, you've got a lot mm -hmm. awakening. You have, you have a part of you that's awake and just fan that flame, fan it, do the hard thing, do whatever the hard thing is to grow that part of you. Um, I just know for me that, yeah, I want to say that you won't be sorry. I don't know what the outcome is. Um, and I can tell you it's going to be hard. And what my mentor says is fierce and dangerous. Um, but do it, mm -hmm. do it, have, be brave and believe in yourself. Um, because you have a lot, probably a lot more than you think mm -hmm. you have. Thank you, Jenny Finn. Thank you, Jenny Glick. This was super fun. I love it. Thank you, really thank you for spending this time with me today. 
If this conversation has resonated with you, subscribe to this podcast or go over to my website, jennyglick.com and join me for more on living your ashram in your marriage and in your life. And now that the podcast is over, your practice begins. I want you to take what you've learned here with you, integrate it, use it, feel it, become it, and let your life transform. I'll talk to you next week.